You're listening to Tezonomics, the podcast that explores the people, companies, and protocols that are building the Tezos ecosystem. I'm your host, Jonas Lamas, and if you like the work I'm doing with Tezonomics, I would appreciate it if you would consider delegating your Tezis to my two bakers. That's Tezos Capital and Tezos Capital Legacy. You can find out all about my bakers on our website at tezos.capital. Tezonomics is sponsored by TQ Tezos. TQ Tezos works to advance the Tezos ecosystem by creating open source software and other public goods, by providing support to projects and companies building on Tezos, and by connecting the global Tezos community. You can find out more on their website at tqtezos.com. This podcast is also sponsored by Tezos Commons. Tezos Commons supports the ideas, individuals, and organizations dedicated to building the digital commonwealth. The team at Tezos Commons is focused on empowering the community to be their own architects of Tezos through bootstrapping local communities, education, events, and funding open source initiatives. The Commons keeps a busy meetup calendar with events happening soon in London, Sydney, Los Angeles, and here in Silicon Valley. So check out Tezos Commons and sign up for events at tezoscommons.org. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the latest uh, episode of Tezonomics. This is our final episode for 2019, and so we're having our predictions episode. And it's not just me on the uh, the, the episode today, but I've got also our good friends Jovan Smith and Ken Garofalo joining us. Jovan, as you all know, is uh, a community member at large who's also working uh, on the WeTez project. And uh, Ken, of course, everyone knows for Crypto Live Leak and the videos that he's been putting out, as well as for running the Tezos Boston meetup. So uh, welcome, guys. Hey, welcome. Thank you for uh, having me on today. Thanks for having us. Yeah, let's, let's do a, a real quick uh, recap of, uh, of your, your guys' year. How was 2019 for you, uh, Ken? 2019 was great. We saw some really cool Tezos Boston meetups happen and was able to get some pretty mainstream interviews out there. One with uh, Yahoo Finance um, through CoinRivet, and then one with a quick cameo on CNBC Crypto Trader and CNBC Africa. So really oh. cool uh, to see the new community members join us in 2019 and, and get those uh, mainstream media publications out there. So I was happy overall. Awesome. Awesome. And then just a quick question. I know earlier this week there was news about uh, all your videos being taken down by YouTube. What's uh, what's the latest there? Ah, Ooh. the Grinch. The real Grinch was YouTube. <laughs> Could, can you believe this? It actually happened on Christmas Eve. Uh, logged on, saw like seven or eight videos, three of them being Tezos videos were marked for being harmful and dangerous. Uh, I guess the, the harmful and dangerous was... Uh, to the u.s fed maybe and that's why they did it <laughs> what's what's the background story to that why was that so i uh, read an article that actually came out on cnn that said it's maybe google's response uh, to take a competitor out of their market where they may want to enter the financial space or they may want to enter cryptocurrency in 2020 so a little speculation oh. there yeah huh interesting 
But as of as of today, are your videos back up, uh, or what? What do you? Yeah, going on there. So definitely, just checked, and the seven videos that were affected are back up. So it was a few days they were down, and now they're back up. So uh, they they mended what they did wrong. Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. Hmm. There you go. That's one of the dangers of centralized systems, huh? Mm-hmm. Uh, the man so what's the response? Who's going to make a decentralized version of uh, YouTube? Well, I guess they already have it. DTube. Yeah, DTube. Yeah, I was going to say. Um, I'm not sure. Exactly, I'm not sure how responsive it is or what the performance of it, but I know that it is there and that folks are uploading to it. Awesome. All right, Jovan. So, how was your 2019? It was good. It was good. It was good. And I actually am um, working on the Tesbox pro- project and not the uh, WeTest project. I didn't want to cut you off. There. Mm-hmm. Right, right, right. My fault. My my, my apologies to uh, to Stephen Andrews and the team as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's all good. <laughs> Thank you. Um, but yeah, so there was T Quorum, um, and then uh, Tesbox had hired me on as their community uh, manager to manage a bunch of their online resources and platforms for support and things like that. Yeah, and T Quorum, I seen Ken there. You were there. Uh, the Global Summit. We had some good talks. Went to a bunch of different workshops, uh, got to meet a lot of different people working on different, uh, a lot of different projects and seeing what was coming. Got to hear from uh, Ryan from the foundation on the direction of the foundation. And most interesting to me was Ryan Lackey's uh, um, uh, presentation on STOs. And I'm sure we'll get, get into that in a minute here, but I'm most definitely looking forward to 2020. That's for sure. Yeah, Awesome. Okay, guys. So what what I did was uh, I put out both on uh, Reddit and on YouTube, uh, uh, sorry, on uh, Twitter, um, a call for predictions from the community. What did people think uh, might be happening in 2020? And so we got a bunch of different posts uh, under the hashtag uh, Tezos 2020, uh, mm-hmm. and also on the uh, on the Reddit thread. And so we've kind of captured those here, and I'm going to read off a few of those and <clears throat> get your guys' opinions on these predictions. And we'll take it from there. We've got a bunch of different topics we want to hit here. Okay. Sounds good. Cool. Yeah, so good. the yeah, great. So the first topic, which is just general um, Tezos usage, and we saw uh, a number of predictions about Tezos usage. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, but uh, uh, Reddit user uh, DZY, uh, as well as uh, our good Twitter friend uh, Chad Go both talked about um, a number of different projects, primarily starting with the concept of uh, the STOs that have been announced. Um, So we know that we have um, a couple of different STOs, elevated returns, BTG Pactual, uh, Alpha Point, have all talked about building real estate exchanges uh, and uh, uh, real estate offerings on Tezos. Um, and so curious, what do you guys think is going to happen in 2020 regarding the STO market and in real estate in general? Yeah, well, what you see now, uh, a lot of announcements happening, right? And we, we talked in the Tezos Boston meetup a few months ago um, that there is sometimes a, a waiting period between the announcements of these projects and when they actually go live. Can, and this can be due to standard regulations. I think it was Reg A plus or Reg A required a certain waiting period uh, before investment can be taken in and then uh, these things can start trading. So maybe that waiting period has to do with some of these uh, regulatory waiting periods. Uh, but we should see in 2020, in the beginning of the year, some of this stuff actually go live and 
what I'd like to see is the number of actual transactions happening on top of the Tezos network increase. So just looking at one of the block explorers now, I'm seeing roughly 15 or less transactions per minute, which is significantly more than we saw earlier in 2019. Uh, but in the case of just maybe one or two of those multi-billion dollar SEOs that were announced in 2019 going live in 2020, that should double or triple the amount of transactions we're seeing, you would think, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, you would think so. I, just to touch on, or to back up on um, Ken's point there, so when a, when, a, when a team or an organization announces that they're going to be launching some type of decentralized application or, you know, um, a product on top of the Tezos blockchain, as Ken pointed out, it could be regulation. They also have to build... Uh, build the 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 end user products for these applications and then for stuff like an at like a sto where you're going to have a tokenized asset you have to either develop those exchanges right where you can trade the 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 tokenized asset or you know i think there was a six exchange over in switzerland they already had it coupled kind of with a, an existing business structure an etp of some sort where they just tokenized a bunch of tez or grouped a bunch of tests together and they're trading it in what they call this ETP thing. So there's a lot of that, uh, the building out that has to be done. Tezos is implemented in Old Camel. There's Mickelson. So there's a bunch of compilers that had to, had to be built so folks can use their native language like, you know, Python, where they're smart Pi now, to, to, you know, compile down to this stuff without having to learn Mickelson necessarily, which is a, you know, strong kind of learning curve. And then there's testing and auditing and all this good stuff. So, uh, you know, it's going to be not, I don't know how long it's going to be, but when, when something is announced versus when it launches, all these things need to be taken into consideration. Yeah, totally. The, the, um, Tezonomics episode I released recently with, uh, Jacob Arluck did a really good job of kind of explaining for 2019, what all the groundwork was that had to be built in order for, <laughs> For these STOs to launch successfully. And now we have um, a couple of different standards that are kind of going to be competing, I think, in 20, uh, 2020 here on the STO front. We've got the FA 1.2 token standard that was released, um, which is what my project StakerDAO is building on top of. But we also have the NYX standard that is being released by Equisafe. And there's a, there's a Tezonomics episode a couple episodes back about that as well. That's uh -huh. coming out. Um, what do you guys think about competing standards? Any any issues or concerns with that? Um, yeah, I, go ahead, I, Ken. Yeah, I, I kind of have an issue with that. So I, I'm a big fan of just simplicity, and someone should be able to look at us uh, for for a face value and be able to understand what we're all about. And if we have you know multiple competing standards, uh, that may be good initially, but I think once market maturity happens and companies are able to issue maybe on both standards and they develop preferences, maybe we should adopt a singular standard for, you know, a purpose of security tokens. Maybe there's a different purpose standard out there. Uh, but I just think we can cut down on confusion by eventually having a singular recognized standard for these security token issuances. I think overall, yeah. we need to, we need to yeah. narrow it down. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's totally true. One of the things that um, I'm expecting from the, um, from kind of the Tezos Foundation and from TQ here in the early part of 2020 is is uh, an attempt to kind of unify that viewpoint and to bring out kind of a um, a, uh, a 
a new version of the uh, uh, the kind of the security token standard that will really be very flexible and very useful for everybody in 2020. And I think, um, you know, we, we're aware that that's coming, and I think it's something that our project will migrate to um, once it's once it's out in the market and proven as well. Uh, as far as the um, the NYX project uh, with uh, and what Equisafe is working on, I think that's really interesting as well. I'm looking forward to seeing them tokenize their first piece of art that they're planning on launching in Q1. Um, and, and we'll see where it goes from there. Mm. Cool. Yeah, I agree with All both of right. you guys. Simplicity is the, the best policy on that, on that front. Very good, very good. All right, so but let's talk about a couple other um, projects that have been announced that um, really could drive some kind of mainstream usage. Uh, one of them, uh, we heard that uh, from a real life use case that the uh, French police department was using Tezos. And another one that we heard is that um, the Tezos, uh, one of the Tezos founders, uh, Kathleen uh, Brightman is launching a game, the, 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 the collectible card game uh, under her company Coast. So what do you guys think about those projects and where do you think kind of mainstream adoption of Tezos will be in 2020? Yeah, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of collectible card game that's going to be coming out. I think if it's going to be, you know, was it Tezos, the in-game currency, as well as smart contracts being built to represent the characters' uniqueness? Yeah, exactly. exactly. Okay, so mm -hmm. she, uh, yeah, Kathleen said that, you know, all the kind of fundamental trading engine and the um, purchasing of cards uh, would all be done through Tez. Oh, very nice. That's that's huge, and I wonder if that's almost a domino to the rest of the game industry adopting uh, cryptocurrency in their for their in-game currencies. Uh, like EA Sports recently had a tweet that said, "We like Bitcoin" or something along those lines, right? So they know it's out there. They know their players are already using it. So why not just build it into their games and and have the players be able to withdraw a currency they can actually use in real life as well? Yeah, yeah, I I know that <clears throat> there's a. There's a platform on top of Ethereum called Decentraland um, or a game of some sort. And it's basically buying virtual real estate. And there's some serious purchasing on there for this virtual real estate on top of the Ethereum blockchain. So I most definitely think that, you know, there's a big use case for um, for the gaming industry and that Kathleen is onto something because she's been working on this project for quite some time. I remember she mentioned it in San Mateo at, at Tez Talks. And so she had to have been thinking about it well before that and so um i think that it's uh bigger than people than some people expect it's going to be and uh that kind of um explains uh kathleen's tenacious kind of drive towards getting it done very yeah. good from what i understand there was a lot of uh very smart people that uh working on that project as well previous experience you know from very reputable places in the game world i remember uh kathleen came to the tesla's boston meetup and we it was at harvard and, you know, there must have been 20 people there handing portfolios and resumes to her to try to join on this project, I believe. So, <laughs> Whoa, nice. That's yeah. cool. <laughs> All right. Last, um, last project to touch on here at the beginning here is uh, uh, Dexter. Um, that was kind of announced earlier this uh, fall. Does anybody have an update on, on where Dexter is? Hold on. Dexter, is, is, that, is, that, is that Arthur's stuff or Arthur's project? No, right? Um, no, Dexter, uh, is, uh, I'm thinking about checker. Sorry. Excuse me. Yeah. Yeah. Camel. Dexter is coming from camel case, I believe. 
right? Yes. And exactly. you know something about that? Uh, Camel case in the last update I'm seeing on their medium is uh, from July, but they don't update a lot. Uh, before that was December 2018. So, did, did they did they develop like some type of uh, decentralized exchange? Yeah, that's that's what Dexter's uh, uh, going to be uh, decentralized gotcha. exchange written okay. in Morley. Um, I just I know that uh, it's something that we we heard a bit about in the fall, and I'd love to see where this thing is at when it's going to go live. I'm looking at their. Uh, their GitLab, they've they've been uh, cranking on it here um, with uh, with code updates just in the last week or so. So hopefully that'll be a project that comes out here soon, um, so we can see a decentralized exchange with Tezos. And this is what Jovan was talking about earlier with uh, the infrastructure needs to be developed. So when you make all these security tokens, how are you going to trade them, right? So maybe Dexter is going to be an answer at, at first to that. Oh, there's Alpha Point, right? So Alpha Point was uh, it's it's some type of platform for for trading these uh, tokenized assets, I believe. Do you guys are you guys familiar with Alpha Point? Uh, Alpha I'm Point. not following no. it. Um, I, at least I haven't talked to them yet. Uh, but I believe that is in conjunction with um, elevated returns, right? And the work that uh -huh, they're doing, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. So Elevated Returns is tokenizing a bunch of um, real estate over in uh, Southeast Asia. And so I believe Alpha Point is a platform that they're going to use in tandem with that project. Okay, and it looks like we even have uh, some of the investors in Alpha Point CME Group, Commodities Exchange. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. serious traditional players involved here too. Indeed, indeed. Yeah. I got to tell you guys, for 2020, it's going to be pretty crazy with the kind of the growth of the STO space here. Um, just, you know, on Tezos, but just around the uh, crypto ecosystem in general, there are so many new tool providers coming to market. Um, and there are a number of projects that are launching that um, and I think I think 2020 is going to be a year where we're going to scratch our heads a little bit on all of the different platforms that are out there. And, and you know, it's going to be there's going to be too many platforms out there um, with too many different strategies, and that's going to all have to coalesce at some point in time in the next couple of years to really be able to allow kind of the the mass market adoption of security tokens. I think. And Jonas, so so just for for our listeners here, how does how does an STO, a traded asset on top of the Tezos blockchain, bring value to the underlying asset to the Tezos token or the Tezos coin? Yeah, <clears throat> well, I for I can speak in the case of my project Stakerdow. You know, number one, we're really thankful that Tezos exists because we're using it to basically secure uh, the governance process for our our token, our Staker token, which is going to be treated as a security. And so it's good for us to have a platform as as solid as as Tezos to run that on that has you know a long-term view on evolving its protocol in a very decentralized way. That's, that's why we selected it. As far as the value proposition that we get back to Tezos, really, it, it, it ultimately comes from transactions that are done uh, of, uh, with, with our token and the fees that are paid for those transactions. And right? the, fees so, are paid, the fees are paid in Tez. That's, that's right. Right. So, you know, in, in uh, just just like every uh, every other transaction that happens on Tezos, when you're moving uh, tokens around that sit on top of Tezos, you're you're using um, 
uh, gas essentially to do so, and you're paying fees to the bakers to to bake the blocks that have that tra- transaction records in them. And in the case of Coast by Kathleen, kind of the same thing. You know, when you have you know transactions going down between these tradable card assets or um, um, yeah, tradable card card assets uh, for her game, those fees are paid in uh, Tez. Yeah, that's right. Although there's a big difference here between uh, kind of what she she's proposing, what we're proposing, and the, that big difference is that um, in Kosa's case, you know, when you decide that you are going to purchase a you know a limited edition digital card that mm-hmm. ha, you know that represents part of the gameplay, you're actually going to use Tez to purchase that. Right. And uh, and then that that Tez that you use to purchase that card essentially is then going to be held by Kos or traded with someone else on a secondary market that you purchase that card from. Uh, um, and, and so Kos is really much more about moving the volume of Tez uh, to a to a higher uh, uh a higher order, whereas security tokens like StakerDAO and and Pactual and those kinds of things, <clears throat> we all take advantage of the Tezos network, but most likely those projects don't require the purchase of the underlying security token with Tez. Mm. But gotcha. it's possible. It's possible down the line when they create some sort of way to stabilize the price of XTZ. It's possible projects could use. XTZ as a way of uh, raising funds to contribute to their oh, totally uh, it totally could and, and in fact um, I would not at all be surprised that um, uh, some of the offerings do allow the purchase of their uh, assets with with Tez just like they might allow the purchase with Bitcoin or ETH as well um, but it but it's not going to be the same level of of a requirement that say the the I, ICO um, you know, market had on Ethereum where uh, on most of the ICOs you had to use, you know, Ethereum to buy the ICO that was being listed on Ethereum. Yeah, either Ethereum or Bitcoin. Hey, so, but, the, but, so like BTG Pactual or any, whoever is trading the asset or the um, organization that is offering the tradable asset, the tokenized asset, they still have to have some TES in order to pay, you know, the cost for fees, right? Of course, of course. Okay, yeah, right, right, yep. right, right. So yeah, and, 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 so the, and the more liquid the market, used. yeah, that's right. And the more liquid the market, the more trading that's going on of any of these assets, the more fees that will get used to register the those trades on the blockchain. Right, right. So it's good for everybody to think about. You know, um, <clears throat> the more tokenized things become on Tezos, the more that people use Tezos to tokenize a building here, a building there you know, a basketball team here or whatever the case may be, the more the asset will go up in value just in that in that aspect, in that aspect alone. And to give an idea of how much uh, is being actually spent on fees currently, so just looking at one of the block explorers here, we have about uh, seven transactions with over the past five minutes. And within each of these transactions, total fees paid is around uh, spot or point zero zero two. So very small amount here. So you have basically yeah, exactly. uh, 1.01 Tez spent in fees over the past five minutes here. Mm-hmm. That should give folks a really good idea on, you know, how much 
value uh, or and how much the the coin the tez can can maybe rise in appreciation considering all these other facts it probably won't be much but you know over time you know there's also baking and and things like this and we're already seeing you know the effect on price with tezos just from baking like you know coinbase has to run out it seems like and get tez every other day i'm i'm monitoring their uh, their baking uh, address and they're missing a lot of endorsements. And so when they need Tez, they have to go out and get it. And it just seems that Tezos is, uh, just kind of outperformed everything else in the market in terms of stability being somewhere between not, not as volatile. It's, I'm not saying that it's, it's shooting necessarily up or going necessarily down. And I think that that's just an element of, um, the way that Tezos is kind of designed with this liquid proof of stake. And so all of these other use cases will, will just add value or at least some type of price ability to it, you know? And so I think that's what we really want we, you know, versus $10 Tez. Why not mm-hmm. a good stable $3 Tez? You know, that's pretty good, especially if you're baking. Yeah. Well, you're talk, talking about elements of demand on the actual asset itself. So yeah, one, yeah. one element is from users needing to pay fees. Another element is for uh, bakers needing to put up the bond. So those are your mm-hmm. two actual use cases for demand that are currently happening within the network. And I call that utility. I, I think that when you, when, a, when somebody needs bond, that's utility. No, oh, absolutely. You, you know, so you know, people ask me all the time, where's Tesla? You know, what, we need more utility. We need more utility. Well, Tesla has one of the strongest utility mechanisms or, you know, aspects than any other, than any other protocol right now. Because if you look at what's going on, Kraken, you know, Binance, Coinbase, and not to mention Tezos Capital and, and Crypto Delegate, these are organizations that have large amounts of capital involved in frozen Tez, man. And so that's some serious utility. What is it, about 8% of the overall network is frozen in bond right now? I believe so. Yeah. Awesome, guys. Been, All right, well, yeah. so let, let's, um, let's move on to kind of some predictions about 2020 in this baking space, as you're saying. So uh, we have, um, <clears throat> let's see, uh, uh, Reddit uh, Reddit predictor Jesus J E Z O S S predicted that solo baking will become hip again through an easy to ramp on uh, through some kind of easy to ramp on process for the average Joe. So, what do you guys think about baking? What's going to happen in 2020? Are we going to have more or less bakers at the end of 2020 than we have here at the end of 2019? You mean baking's uh, solo baking's not hip anymore? When did it go out yeah, of style? <laughs> it's going to become hip again. I think okay. uh, it, now it's become hip to um, to uh, delegate to a large centralized exchange. Right. Apparently, yeah, yeah. Well, I can tell you what right now. <clears throat> I've installed, you know, many nodes across the network. I think the last the last node I installed for a person, we had. 430 bakers he became the 431st okay so maybe a year ago when um when when the market was kind of up bitcoin was trending up and stuff because everything kind of follows the uh, trend of bitcoin i I had requests every single day so solo baking was hip then but when the market tanks and when it goes down i've seen this happen a couple times people lose interest in solo baking however there are i have over 250 requests still kind of sitting in my twitter of people who are at least interested in solo baking, if that gives you an idea. 250, wow, that's huge. Yeah. 
Well, yeah, it was crazy. I'm, cons- I'm definitely concerned because if you look at uh, the least barrier to entry from a new participant, well, first, they're probably going to be on a Coinbase or a Binance buying the asset for the first time. And now both of those platforms offer staking services. So you're going to probably see a consolidation of new users with those large bakers. Um, unfortunately, that's what it is. The only way for to break that cycle is to make solo baking uh, more easily implemented if there's anything with a command line well i think you're kind of out of luck for onboarding someone who's non-technically savvy so is there maybe a one-step solution jovan how about what's an update with bake chain that was supposed to be an answer to this problem yeah so um i'm not really sure i don't think that the the dev team over at test tech labs is really developing it uh much anymore so there's stuff like kiln uh, which mm-hmm. requires you still to run a node locally, whereas BakeChain, it, it acted as the Tezbox wallet, right? And so it would be pointed at some RPC nodes or some Tezos nodes that were being ran by, you know, the BakeChain dev team versus you running your own node. And so you just kind of download this app, you'll load it with a bunch of Tez, and all that it, it, it only had the functions and the operations of signing a block. So you couldn't, you couldn't send out Tez. It didn't have that operation. You know what I mean? So if you needed to stop baking and you wanted to gain access to your Tez again, you'd have to, you know, restore the wallet using your C phrase. Uh, so that's basically what it acted as. It acted as a as a wallet. And so right now the the team isn't really focused on that. They're more focused on the uh, the Tez box wallet, especially when these upgrades come down the pipeline. It kind of you know upends everybody, and so you got to really focus on one product. I think, and I think that's where they are at this point. Okay. But I will tell you this. When we talk about or when we worry about the centralization of a bunch of Tez, why is that? Voting rights, voting power, right? Exactly, exactly. Yes. Yeah. So what's really cool about Tez is this. No matter what, right? If if a large centralized baker decides to just act in a way and vote in a way that is harmful to the network, they cannot they can they cannot then deny their users the right to withdraw that tez that can then be staked and delegated to a baker who is more aligned with the network's future and then there's a there's a there's a voting period uh, there's a voting process so you'll know you'll every, most people will be aware that an, that a centralized baker who is uh, who is whose interest isn't aligned with the rest of the network they'll 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 have a chance to back out of back away from that baker and stake their coins with somebody else who is more aligned with the interests of the protocol well before the upgrade is is activated on the chain and so you know <clears throat> even though it, it's bad or it's not a very good idea uh, to have so much tez uh, delegated to a, to to any one single baker that could possibly um, vote against the interest of the network. There is still a high degree and a high uh, a high a high, high level of um, y- you know I don't know how to say this, but basically people will be able to back away from that 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 sure. that baker and then delegate with somebody else like Tezos Capital or who, whose interests are more aligned with, with the network. And I think in that, uh, with that aspect alone, we have some sense of um, assurance that 
you know, these guys are going to be honest because it's not in their interest to lose all that, that capital. Right. It's transparency within the process that allows someone to uh, find a bad actor and, and make a decision on to change their delegation, to take that power away from them before it's used again in a, in a bad way. So make exactly. a bad decision at your own peril. Let me let me play uh, devil's advocate here. We, you know, I think we're seeing more and more uh, coin holder apathy in general, though, here in the the second half of 2019. For example, mm. if you look at um, if you look at one of the large bakers who went offline, which was um, Flip and Tacos, for example, uh-huh. yeah. um, they, you know, they ra- ramped up to being one of the largest uh, largest validators out there, and then they 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 turned off their their operation and there's still apparently oh, over 500 yeah. people delegated to them that are not receiving yeah. any rewards, right? 500 wallets. So no, that's true. So, that's true. Yeah. You know, clearly I, that's so not true. everybody's paying attention. And I think that mm-hmm. as crypto matures here and we start seeing, you know, my, one of my thesis and one of the reasons why I'm, I'm, I'm launching the staker stakered out project is because um, I think we need to prep crypto for um, kind of the next wave of adoption. And everybody who's in crypto today, by and large, is kind of the um, early adopters. We're all kind of, you know, these uh, geeky folks who are really excited about the tech and about speculation and about this new new way of uh, decentralizing things and changing the world. Um, but that group of people who is very comfortable with running nodes and and you know, uh, holding multi assets that are high risk and six thousand different things that are traded on coin market cap, right? That's not the same type of person who's going to come to this on the other side of crossing the chasm, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And and the early majority when they come, you know, in the next uh, next couple of years, they're going to be unfortunately for kind of the the initial viewpoint here, they're going to be much more conservative and they're going to look for a strong brand and they're going to feel more comfortable with a Coinbase, if you will, than they are with a Tezos Capital, for example, right? Mm. Because because it's something that's that's backed out there and everybody knows about it and um, it's it's a trustworthy thing. So I, I think I, I'm going to take the under here and say that we're going to have fewer bakers at the end of 2020 than we do in 2019. Mm. I'll agree with you. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a good point you make there, Jonas. Uh, yeah. Uh, or, or maybe maybe it's maybe I should better say like we're going to have fewer bakers at the end of 2021 than we do at the end of 2020. I think there's still growth opportunity this coming year, but I think eventually, as crypto crosses the chasm, you know, it's likely that larger and larger organizations claim larger and larger stakes in this in this economy. I got you. Yeah. So I'm working on a project with uh, some folks uh, that I've met over at T-Corum and it's on a, uh, it's a physical device, kind of like a plug and go device. And hopefully we can get it launched here in the next year and a half, maybe sooner. And basically, you know, it's, it's, it's to encourage the more decentralization of the, of the network, basically plug and go. I'll have like a built in hard hardware security module for baking and all this good stuff. So um, I don't know. Yeah, it would be cool. You know, Uh, however, there was, you know, the Bitcoin miner and all that stuff, Coin One and all these other things. Um, so, and those things didn't work out too well. So we'll see how this goes. Uh, I just think that what it boils down to is what Jonas says, voter complacency. 
um, which comes down to signaling, I think. How do you get a hold of these people? How do you get a hold of the, you know, guys who delegate? And um, some people just delegate, zip up their wallets and never touch them again. And then, you know, one day they look at coinmarketcap.com and Tezos is two, three bucks. And they're like, holy crap. Um, you know, and so. All right. All right. So let's uh, let's move on to our final area of prediction, which is going to be in the uh, underlying protocol and what we think is going to evolve through protocol upgrades over the next year. So uh, any thoughts on that? You guys have any predictions? We've got, uh, let's see, we have uh, on Twitter, we had Uncle Babe who, who uh, suggested that um, they're predicting things such as uh, sapling and sharding uh, could be released in 2020. So yeah. what is, go ahead, Ken. Oh, yeah. So I'll, I'll just start by saying I might want to throw like a little bit of a wet blanket on this in terms of the speed in which these things happen. And I think uh, 2019 is a great reflection point for this where you saw maybe, uh, you know, one bad protocol get or one bad amendment get introduced where it didn't pass the first stage and it sort of delayed the process another 20 days. And, you know, only really uh, two good uh, Athens and Babylon protocols passed in, this, in, a, in a year time period. So maybe things like uh, the sapling, the privacy aspects, the ZK snarks that we all wanted and thought should have happened by the end of this year, maybe potentially soon in 2020, maybe that won't happen till the end of 2020. Maybe that won't even happen at all in 2020. So let's just uh, maybe realize that these things are very hard to code for the development teams that are proposing them. And some of them might take longer than we anticipated, uh, but we should not underestimate the impact that a successful, well-written protocol upgrade passing has for the overall network. That mm -hmm. could be something where you can, maybe you want to predict price movements around the value of the network once uh, an amendment happens. So, yeah, so I would just say, Coolier Jets on um, wanting so many upgrades in a, such a short time. Maybe it's better to have these things play out over the long term where you're having these little maintenance upgrades that happen in between big upgrades. Yeah, yeah. I was just gonna, yeah. So let me touch on that real quick. Um, <clears throat> when you have an up when you have an upgrade to an upgrades change the conventions and architectures of a system, right? It's not like an update, but you still need to update the upgrades right so in tezos that's still kind of re revolve i mean it has to involve the governance mechanism so i think i read somewhere where cryptium explained a path forward on this i believe don't quote me on this however they have a plan or they have proposed a plan for updating the upgrades themselves so you'll have an upgrade that will pass and then you'll have the subsequent you know updates to the upgrade itself and then secondly when it comes down to stuff like, um, you know, ZK Starks and all this, all this stuff like that, we might want to move a little bit, like as Ken said, a, a little slow with this and think about it. Because what you're seeing is a lot of exchanges are delisting their, their, um, their privacy coins. And so since Tezos is not a, a, a privacy coin but has a feature of privacy, right, How, what, where does that put that? In, in terms of the way that they view their existing anonymous coins that they are delisting now. Yeah, well, I think with, um, with uh, the SNARKs upgrade, uh, people are definitely expecting a, a level of fine-grained privacy control on the transaction so that <clears throat> businesses you know, can keep some parts of their information private. 
Um, but at the same time, everything can still be provable. I think it's a very reasonable pr uh, path forward for um, kind of uh, the, the advancement of crypto um, in a way that would allow more and more organizations to use it effectively as, you know, as money, if you will, um, and uh, or as as a, you know, as a process for controlling uh, high value assets. Because at the end of the day, not you know, businesses need some degree of privacy in their in their strategies and their holdings, uh, as do individuals. And um, so I'm not too worried about it getting getting delisted because mm -hmm. it has the, the 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 that type of that type of uh, capability. But mm -hmm. I definitely do agree with you guys that it's going to take a lot longer than people think for these upgrades to roll out. I think. Um, you know, with Carthage being uh, in the cards right now, you know, that's that's kind of our Q1 up, upgrade. And um, there might be a late Q2 upgrade and maybe a Q4 upgrade. So, you know, there's only a couple shots on goal here for, for major changes to happen in 2020. And, um, and we only have what it appears currently, you know, there's only two kind of dev teams that are working on this uh, stuff actively. I'd like to see... Um, you know, I, I, as much as I'd like to see cool upgrades, I'd also like to see new dev teams get involved in the process. Yeah, here's for a, sure. Here's a cool uh, prediction for 2020. I'd like to see uh, one of those dev teams propose a million dollar invoice or million XTZ invoice worth, yes. we'll say, over a million dollars. And that should draw in more interest from the overall development community seeing, look at this uh, inflationary mechanism that's rewarded a development team, you know, a million dollars for introducing a piece of code. It would make them, you know, rock star famous. <laughs> no, indeed. And the one way I think we get there is by what features like when you're up. So what, what costs a million dollars or a hundred thousand, but I agree with you can totally, man. Once people see that, you know, you can just simply without anybody else's permission, propose an upgrade <laughs> to the Tezos network and attach an invoice to it. And everybody loves it. And then you get, you get paid $150,000. I mean, the you know the sim the simplicity of that process and how seamless it is uh, and the you know the permissionlessness of it all is pretty pretty tantalizing and kind of um, uh, unprecedented in a way and so um, I believe that we can get there. However, what kind of features are you know what code changes? What kind of upgrade would would um, warrant you know a hundred? Yeah, 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 exactly. Well, I mean, just, I mean, think about, you know, Cryptium has, uh, I think uh, they said 10 employees. I think that's what Awa said in her most recent post. And oh, wow. and we know that, and then we know that uh, Nomadic, uh, I don't know what the count is there, but it's 20 or 30 or, or 40. Uh, they got a freaking army over there. there. <laughs> army. Right. So these, okay. I mean, these are teams that are spending millions of dollars a year on salary alone. Um mm. So, you know, if, right. if any one of those teams, you know, on balance accounts for one major upgrade per year, um, you could easily justify, you know, charging a million bucks uh, in, yeah. a, in an invoice uh, if it's moving the chain forward. Mm. So I, yeah. I agree with you, Ken. I think that would be a fantastic, um, a fantastic thing to see here in 2020 is yeah. kind of the first million dollar proposal. And speaking with Awa at T Quorum, she agrees with it too. So look out for that coming from Cryptium. All right, I can't wait. I'm, I'm looking forward to this. This is going to be cool. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Cool. All right. Well, so let's just wrap up, guys, with um, with the uh, the speculative. Uh, what What do you think the Tezos price is going to be? Um, 
at the end of 2020. How, how much do you think one Tesla is going to cost you in U.S. Well, dollars? I love we to all speculate. Know that one, we, we all know <laughs> that one Tez is equal to one Tez, but, uh, but, but in fiat prices. How about we just see it get off this 20,000 Satoshi mark that it can't seem to decouple from, which was, uh, I believe, the ICO mark versus Bitcoin. Uh, no, but we're, we're around $1.50, $1.40 right now, which is actually not bad. I think in the beginning of 2019, we were around 30 cents, and yep. Tezos was actually the best performing cryptocurrency, altcoin, Bitcoin, any coin uh, yep. in 2019, which has gotten That's a right. lot of attention from major media. And, you know, why not continue that trend? People tend to like to ride winners. So if you see hedge funds looking at past performances to predict future outcomes, you know, Tezos is the, the clear pick here, the clear winner where the story is just beginning. These yep. SEOs are about to go live. That's only going to create more hype, more buzz. I mean, look at the Bloomberg terminals in 2019 were uh, buzzing with Tezos real estate tokenization stories. That stuff mm-hmm. doesn't happen. I mean, those, that's thousands of investment bankers reading Bloomberg terminals that see Tezos on their screens. So that, you know, it's only a matter of time, guys. So, um, yeah. So what's have, your number, Ken? Here's the number. It, it's not going to be quite a hundred in 2020 in 2021, <laughs> uh, maybe 2022, but I'll say we're going to see maybe above $4, uh, in this next year, 2020. So we'll say $4 and above. All right. All right. Yeah, I agree. I was going with six. I'm looking somewhere between six and ten dollars. Very good. Very good. Uh, I, I agree with uh, I agree with everything you're saying, guys. Uh, I think that um, I uh, I see significant price appreciation opportunities here. Um, I think that uh, kind of you know the days of ten xing stuff are long gone in this space. Yeah, exactly. But, um, but you know, a uh, a three hundred percent return would be amazing, obviously, uh, in 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 any market. Um, but there are so many unusual things that are going to happen with Tezos in twenty twenty that I wouldn't be surprised. Um, so I guess uh, in the spirit of uh, Elon Musk uh, making predictions, I'll go with uh, four twenty for uh, the end of twenty twenty. Nice. Look, look at us, dude. We're all kind of in the same ball league. Uh, you know, cooler heads always prevail. I can go to war with you guys. <laughs> that sounds great, guys. All right. Well, thanks to both of you for uh, for joining me here on the uh, the the Tezonomics predictions uh, uh, episode. Here, we'll get this thing live, and uh, we'll uh, say Happy New Year to everybody, and uh, uh, look forward to uh, an amazing 2020 for the uh, ecosystem. Happy New Year, everyone. Hashtag Happy. 2020, baby. Tezos 2020. Happy New Year's. Happy holidays, guys. Thanks so much for having us. Thanks.